Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson, your hosts of today's episode. We are here to talk about some football today, including Super Bowl 55, which is on Sunday, the last football game of the season. Well, technically, it's not really. We got FCS football here in the next several weeks, so we're going to get ready for that. It will be the last NFL game until at least August when hopefully the NFL Hall of Fame game is played in Canton, Ohio. We are also a few days away from officially entering the offseason and officially diving in to draft season. Officially, 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 officially. I feel like I have to say that so many times because, you know, we're still in the NFL. We're still in the season, but at the same time, it's kind of the offseason for the rest of the 30 teams in the NFL right now. Um, but, you know, I'm going to savor Sunday. You know, we're going to have a great matchup between two Hall of Fame, future Hall of Fame quarterbacks, in my opinion. Yes, I think Mahomes is going to be a future Hall of Famer. As long as he keeps up, keeps up this pace, he's going to be shattering records here in the next 10, 15 years. So, Devin, happy Thursday to you. We got some ball to talk about and some mock drafts, including mine, to talk about. So, you excited to get going here today, bro? Yeah, man. Uh, definitely excited to get going. Uh, like you said, it's bittersweet that the last NFL game will be played on Sunday. <clears throat> but at the same time, that means, you know, everyone is in draft season, <clears throat> not just the other three teams that are currently in draft season now. So that will kind of make everything more interesting. Uh, you may see more, a few more coach hirings and firings and whatnot and some more change around and, uh, then in addition to that, may see some more trades. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple months. And, you know, the craziness will finally get going uh, on Monday. Yeah, man. And, you know, as soon as Monday gets going, I'm going, I am getting into evaluations. I am going full head of steam, getting into those evaluations. I'm, I feel like I'm behind. But at the same time, I feel like I'm just I'm just getting going. You know, I'm like diving into some of the more well-known prospects. You know, I'm super excited to talk football, talk NFL draft prospects, talk just NFL draft in general throughout the next several months. And also, I'm excited to talk about what the Carolina Panthers are going to be doing this offseason. You know, it's going to be an interesting offseason for them because – no one knows who's going to be starting a quarterback for them this this September. You know, it, it's it's a big question mark at the position. More than likely, I believe right now Teddy Bridgewater is the starter for to start the 2021 season. But if they make moves, they get Deshaun Watson, then Watson is the starter, of course. They trade up in the draft. Get their quarterback, get either Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, or Justin Fields, then they could be the starter. Who knows? We'll, we'll just have to wait and see. Devin, I know you have my mock draft 2.0 post-senior bowl pulled up on your computer. What do you think of it? I know a lot of people hated it. I'm kidding. Not a lot of people hated it. There were there were actually some good reviews on it, but there were some people that were like, eh, wasn't a big fan of it. But Devin, the floor is yours. You may roast me. You may absolutely demolish me with this mock draft. Have at it, my man. 
Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. For me, um, I thought it was a solid mock draft. There were obviously, you know, some picks that I was like, uh, I don't know about that one, while others were like, that makes sense. Like, I know a lot of Dolphins fans did not like your mock draft, uh, which they're pretty hard to please in general, I would say, just from reading Dante Colinelli's timeline from time to time. Um, but they need offense. Yeah, the thing was like <laughs> they want they want so many different things. Like I don't even think they really know what they want collectively. But when you look at you know the Dolphins, I don't think they're gonna move on from Tua. So I think they're out of the quarterback discussion first of all, and then second, I don't think you pick Jamar Chase at three. You know, and I know you don't have that in your mock draft, and you have Carolina trading up for that. Um but just in general, I think, you know, they want players that are like the flashy players, like the the guys everyone's talking about. But you really need to build that offensive line because that's a big issue. And they obviously need to add weapons, but there's no sense in adding a receiver at three when you can get uh, a large amount of receivers really uh really later in the first round and then going down the line second third fourth round as well you know this receiver class is deep enough where you can still get quality day one starters you know in the second third and fourth rounds because that's just how the nfl draft is going to fall uh but anyway getting back to your mock um i'll go with picks that i like obviously i like san francisco getting trey lance you know i think a lot of 49ers fans for a while wanted uh, Zach Wilson, but I don't think he makes it past two. Uh, ultimately, I think Zach Wilson does get picked by the Jets, just based on the the scheme fit and what Robert Sala is bringing to the table. Um, some other ones I like. I like J.C. Horn to Denver. I haven't really seen that one too much, but he's a, a aggressive physical corner uh, that you know w- will fit really well in, in Denver's defense, and and they starve for a true number one corner, so they they definitely need one and. I think, you know, picking him up it will be a solid choice. I always love the L.A. Chargers fit with Christian Darisaw. I think that's a perfect fit. Uh, really him or Rashawn Slater going to the Chargers, I think, I think would be uh, very solid. Uh, some other ones that uh, I liked, uh, and you did end up, you know, getting the Dolphins, giving, giving them Jamar Chase. Uh, but I like Rashad Bateman at 19 to the Washington football team. I think that's a, a kind of an underrated pick in, in this draft so far. Um, and, and they need a, a true uh, number one option. You know, they have a bunch of solid receivers, but none really stand above the rest. And, and none of them really, you know, is, you know, down. Oh, well, uh, of course, uh, Terry McLaurin, excuse me. My whoa. fault. Whoa, Devin. Whoa. I know, I know, I know. I know Matty wow. V is going to get after me. You really thought Terry McLaurin was just another receiver, man. I what forgot. are you doing, man? <laughs> I forgot. I forgot about him for a second. Um, but uh, another receiving option for whoever Washington is is going to have a quarterback. I think they probably uh, end up trading or, or signing a quarterback in free agency to uh, kind of bolster that quarterback position. Because I mean, Alex Smith isn't the answer. Ty- Taylor Heineke isn't going to be the answer either. Um, but yeah, Bateman on Washington, I, I like that fit. I think he he'll be solid for them. A uh, few more ones that I like. I think uh, Ifitu uh, Melifanwu, uh, obviously with the Browns, would, would be a dream pick. A lot of Browns fans want him, uh, a.k.a. Corey Kinnon, uh, one, of, one of our guys on draft Twitter. Um, and then 
one other one that I like. I like the Jets getting Kadarius Tony. I think, you know, obviously uh, pairing Zach Wilson and then getting a, a weapon like Kadarius Tony will help uh, them, you know, going down the line and, you know, also help with the development of Denzel Mims. So he doesn't get all the attention on the outside. So I think those were the solid picks. Now, some ones that I didn't necessarily agree with. I don't hate them, but I don't necessarily agree. Uh, first one was Gregory Rousseau to Arizona. I just don't like the fit. Um, in, in terms of what he brings to the table, I think, um, that, that defense, they need, I, I, they obviously need the upgrade and pass rush, but I think they, they really need some help, uh, in, in the interior defensive line as well as, uh, the linebacking core. I know they got Isaiah Simmons, but, uh, they, they need to add more pieces to that linebacker and, and maybe take a look at the secondary as well. You know, they, they are starting to age with Pat Pete. He's starting to age a little bit. Uh, so that secondary, uh, needs some work as well. So I, I think they, um, you know, should probably look elsewhere in terms of the draft. Uh, they got some needs on the offensive line as well. So I think, you know, they, they may go a different route with that, that pick per se. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't necessarily, I was not a, a big, big fan of, of that pick. Uh, Patrick Sertain to the Falcons. I really didn't like that pick either. Uh, only because the, the Falcons just invested in their DBs last year for a first round pick. And, you know, Sertain's a really good player. And, you know, I think he's definitely top 10 worthy. But, uh, at this point, I don't know if that's their biggest need at the moment. You know, I, I don't know where they would go, uh, per se instead of going DB. But I, I think, you know, whether it's thinking about their quarterback future and, and getting a, a developmental quarterback like Trey Lance or, you know, uh, upgrading, you know, the, the edge position and, you know, maybe taking a look at the linebacker position as well uh, and maybe getting Micah Parsons instead. So uh, that's kind of how I feel about that one. Um, trying to look at some other ones. I see I'm scrolling up and down here. I don't mind the Devontae Smith to the Giants one. Um, but at the same time is I it's kind of same situation. I don't know if receiver is their biggest need and honestly they may end up trading back. We'll see what happens with them. Uh because I just don't know at that particular spot what exactly they would value in terms of um position value and whatnot. Like obviously they do need more receivers on the outside, outside Darius Slayton. Uh Evan Ingram has been incredibly inconsistent. Um, we know, uh, Golden Tate has faced his injuries over the fair share of the last few seasons. So I, I could see, you know, them bringing on Devontae Smith, but at the same time, you know, I kind of struggle seeing if that's necessarily the pick they should go with. And then, uh, finally for me, uh, I don't know really how I feel. I'm kind of split on the Saints pick getting Terrace Marshall. Like at one hand, you know, it's, it's nice. That, you know, they have yet another receiving option, you know, pair, you know, Michael Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. They picked up Adam Troutman, Alvin Kamara. And now you add in uh, Terrace Marshall. Um, but I think they, they really need to uh, maybe take a look at, at their interior defensive line, maybe go after a Christian Barmore or, uh, even, you know, trying to upgrade that linebacker position as well. Maybe look at a Chaz Surratt or something like that, uh, a linebacker that's good in coverage because, Right now they got Demario Davis and then Quan Alexander was hurt and with an Achilles injury, so we don't know his 
kind of stance right now. And really that, that team has very few holes and they obviously got some, some cap issues to, uh, kind of fix and, and patch up. But I think receiver is probably one of the last positions they probably look to upgrade just based on their current roster and, who they have on there. I mean, still got Traquan Smith as well. Uh, Marquez Callaway, uh, the U- uh, UDFA out of Tennessee, he really came on strong. So the Saints are, are not very keen, in my opinion, on drafting first round receivers. Uh, if they did get a receiver, I feel like it would be round two, three, or four, uh, just, just based on their history. But, uh, I don't hate the pick. I just think that's just probably not the direction they're going to go in the first round this year, but I definitely get it. But, yeah, those are kind of my thoughts. You know, overall, I didn't really have too, too much gripes with it. Uh, like I said, you know, there were some picks, you know, I, I did, like I said, didn't necessarily agree with, you know, but there were some picks that make sense. You know, some other picks I, I didn't highlight, but I like, you know, Buffalo Bills getting Elijah Vera Tucker to kind of bolster that, uh, that offensive line where they decide to use him at tackle or guard. I think, you know, either way it will help them in the long run. Uh, Joseph Asai seems to be, uh, uh, ideal fit for Tampa. Uh, just based on the, you know, they play, uh, I believe they play a three, four, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, Osai is a much be- better three, four pass rusher than a four, three pass rusher. He's not necessarily someone that, that plays that well with his hand in the dirt. But, you know, other than that, man, like I said, I, I didn't have too, too many complaints. You know, I, I don't know if the Steelers get a running back round one, but, uh, Najee Harris is definitely someone that the Steelers will want on the, on their team for sure. So, um, while I don't really see the value in drafting a running back round one, I think it will make sense for what they need. Um, but for them, they may go tackle. I think they, they'll probably end up going tackle. Uh, maybe a Sam, Sam Cosme, maybe they get Jalen Mayfield instead of Jacksonville, but that's just kind of my thoughts, man. Uh, and I'll, you know, give you a chance to respond, but those were kind of my biggest takeaways from the mock. My, you were talking about Gregory Rousseau and that he wouldn't really be exactly a fit. I, because of his physical traits and because of his raw athletic ability, I think I don't, I don't think it's that bad of a pick, honestly, because you get a chance. You're not, you're not going to start day one, but you got to think of a future potentially without Chandler Jones, you know? You also got to think, you got, you also have great potential in Rousseau. Like he's not really there in terms of technique wise. But when you look at his traits, he's got what you want. But to me, I feel like Edge, I I think it would be important for Arizona to develop their next good pass rusher, you know, right next to Chandler Jones. Because And, yeah, I get it. They have needs at running back. They have needs at corner. They have needs at safety. They also have needs – at wide receiver and offensive line, you know, like they have needs in plenty of different areas, but I felt like the NFL in particular is going to be much more higher on Rousseau than a lot of us here on draft Twitter. I'm in this mock draft. I was kind of projecting, you know, okay, in some areas, this is what the NFL could do. 
and all, but also in some areas, this is what I would probably do um, in this scenario and whatnot. But I really felt like Rousseau would be a nice fit in Arizona. I think he could play with his hand in the dirt either as a three technique, five technique, wide nine, or even a stand-up pass rusher in a three-four stance uh, or in a two-point stance in a, in the three-four or three-four defense. Um, I'm surprised you really didn't question me about Minnesota's pick. I had Jalen Phillips going to the Vikings at 14. And for, some people were like, really, you're going to take a pass rusher there? There have been some rumors out there that they are in the market for a pass rusher, whether that's free agency, trade market, the drafts. Maybe one of their own players, who knows? But that that's and I, I feel like if Phillips does well with his medicals, that teams are really are really confident and good to go with his medicals. I could see Jalen Phillips just skyrocketing up draft boards because he's talented. He's really talented. Doesn't have a big sample size, but this the sample size we have right now is pretty damn good. Um Looking through my mock draft here, um, one of my favorite picks, probably in this with the best of the rest group of um, mock draft picks here in my mock draft, um, probably Nick Bolton, linebacker of Missouri. I, I really like the fit there. And yes, Packers fans are probably like, "Oh my gosh, why didn't you take a receiver? They need a number two wide receiver next to Devontae Adams." The reason I didn't take a receiver here, and it's kind of the same reason why I didn't take a receiver probably early on um, in this draft. I think I'm trying to think which pick it was. Um, it was probably the Eagles pick um, when they took Micah Parsons. Is you're going to get some good amount of talent in rounds two and three. You're going to get guys like Tylen Wallace just to come off the top of my head. Nick Bolton is really rangy. He's explosive. Um, tackle radius might be a little bit of a concern. Um, he's a little wrong coverage, but he has shown flashes in that area. But, man, Bolton can just fly around all over the field. And I think the Packers really need that on their defense, and Bolton would be a really good fit on that defense as well. Gives them a big upgrade at linebacker, too. Um I think what shocked a lot of people was Quidi Pay falling to Baltimore at 27. And now I don't – it may not be a, the correct fit per se, but I think uh, I think Pay could definitely line up in a two-point stance, rush off the edge like that. He could also play as a five-tech if you need him to. You can also line him up in a four-tech, three-tech, you know? Yeah. He could probably do any of those things. I think he's that versatile. I think he's um, that athletic. Now, he, you're not going to get insane production from him. He's like Brandon Graham, you know. He is He's good enough, but he's not someone that's going to give you 10 sacks a year. Um, yeah, I think – and a lot of people really like the trade-up for Carolina, um, trading up from eight to number three. Um they sent their eighth overall pick, their third round pick, and uh, their 2022 first round pick for 
for third overall and them getting Justin Fields out of Ohio State. And now I, I've had fans ask to me, like, there, some of them are hesitant because he's an Ohio State quarterback. We know the history of Ohio State quarterbacks. But Justin Fields is more talented and better than any of those quarterbacks to come out of college. And some have been like, well, he doesn't really read the field well. He doesn't like – he stares down his number one option too much. I read a, a, I read a thread on Twitter probably a week ago from Nate Tice. Um does really good work, um, good analysis, good, good exits and those guy. Um, he was talking about how in Ohio State's offense, your the receivers are assigned options, you know, option routes, depending on the coverage. And really, all Fields has, all Fields had was Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave as his top targets. Like, they took up a good amount of the receiving production in the passing game. And, you know, he was waiting for those guys to get open, waiting for those guys to figure out what route they're running. Are they going to curl back in if it's zone? Are they going to go back on the dig if it's man or whatever? Like, it, it just depends on what on what the coverage is. And that's what, people, what some people don't see and don't understand sometimes is that, Ohio State's offense is a lot different than what Justin Fields may see in the NFL. That can all, that can be a good and a bad thing at the same time. Fields has great field vision. I, I think he can go through progressions pretty efficiently and really quickly. Um, someone said he's slowed through his progressions. That's kind of true, but that's also because he's waiting on his receivers to make their decisions on their routes. When are they going to cut inside? When are they going to go on the corner? All that stuff. So I'm not too worried with Justin Fields as a prospect. I'm not too worried about him in terms of his ability to read the field. His internal clock has to be better. That's one thing that I've noted down throughout my evaluation of Justin Fields is that his internal clock needs to get better. If he, Once he gets that down, He's going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, and he would be a great quarterback in Joe Brady's offense and for the Carolina Panthers overall. Some fans are like, "Ah, should we really trade up? Should we really give up those draft picks? I think because Carolina really needs a new quarterback, and and they've been aggressive in the quarterback market, that trading up is probably one one of the more higher options in – this draft or in this offseason, you know, it, it would not surprise me if they traded up to either three to Carolina or to five with Cincinnati. Um, they wouldn't trade up with a division rival with Atlanta. They would never do that. And that's why Atlanta is completely off the board. But anything can happen. They could always do it. Who knows? But it, it's that's how I see it right now. Um, just looking through the rest of my mock drafts. Um, Devontae Smith for me going to the Giants would like, yes, they don't really have a big need at wide receiver, but I think Giants fans really wanted, really want that playmaker opposite of Darius Slayton. And I think Devontae Smith can be that guy. I don't care about his BMI. I don't care about his size. He's a straight up baller. 
simple as that. And now, sure, he, he may very well be an outlier, and there are concerns, there are valid concerns that receivers his size have not turned out great at the next level. But Smith just does everything so well. Ball skills, route running ability, recept- or um, run after catch. He, he does everything so well. He's a really well-rounded wide receiver. I think he would be a he, he would be very popular. I think a Heisman Trophy winner would be very popular in the New York market, honestly. So that's that's kind of where I was with the Devontae Smith pick. I wouldn't be surprised if Micah Parsons fell because we've heard about his maturity issues off the field. We've heard about his hazing stuff, and some of the details of that were just horrific. Um and, and, and teams will talk to him about that. Teams will talk to family members, teammates, whatnot. They'll, and like I said, they'll talk to Parsons personally. Ask him, like, what happened here? What, are you a different person than you were then? If, if they think he is a different person than he was then, he's probably going to either be, he'll more likely be a top 15 pick, but it would not surprise me if he fell to the late first round. And I know Joe Marino of the Draft Network, who, hint, hint, may be coming on here soon. Who knows? We may get him on. We'll have to wait and see. But shout out to Joe Marino. He had Micah Parsons falling to the Green Bay Packers at 29 in his most recent mock draft. And I was like, that kind of makes sense because of of um, Parsons' off-field issues. Um Another pick I, I kind of like, honestly, low-key, is the Colts pick at 21 with Mac Jones. It, it feels like after the Senior Bowl, he's more than likely going to be a first-round pick, but I don't think he's going to be a top-10 pick. Obviously, he doesn't have the traits you want in a top-10 quarterback, but if you're looking for a guy that can really handle the offense well, that can really do well with great players around him, like the Colts are probably going to have next season. I think Jones would be a good pick here. I think he'd be a good fit in um, Frank Wright's offense. So I, I really like that pick for the Colts. Yeah, um, so. on that pick per se, uh, I I I don't hate it, but at the same time, I don't know if they'd be willing to take yet another quarterback. I mean, they still got Jacob Eason on the roster. Um, so I, I don't know if they're going to be – that type of team that decide to give him a chance to try and start. Uh, since they brought in Phillip Rivers, he really had no chance last year. But, you know, the kind of the rumors that, you know, Brissett is probably gone and, you know, obviously Rivers retired, then, you know, that quarterback position kind of opens up. So, I mean, at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if they pick Mac Jones, but at the same time, I also wouldn't be surprised if they try to get Jacob Eason a chance and just sign like a veteran quarterback uh, to – have as a backup and then try and wait till next year uh, if Easton doesn't pan out or give him maybe one or two years and, and see what happens then. Do you think you think they're in the market for Watson? You think they could they're that aggressive enough to okay if we have a team that can win a lot of football games, you think they could go after Deshaun Watson, give up what they're asking for, which is probably two or three first-round draft picks in the future. This year, next year, 2023, potentially 2024, day two picks, young starters on defense. You think they're willing I, to give that up? I, 
I I don't think so. I don't think like the Colts have the assets to do it, but I think they're always focused on team building. Like <clears throat> outside of you know getting Philip Rivers, I mean they build internally. You know they they don't they're not that type of team that goes out and, and trades for a bunch of players, uh, big name blockbuster trade tra- uh, players. So I think they believe in Reich system, obviously, and I mean. Even with an old older quarterback, they were still able to make the playoffs and nearly beat Buffalo. So this isn't a team that, you know, they're set up to win long term, which is why I wouldn't try and wage their long term assets to try and get Deshaun Watson. Because like at the same time, it would be a win for them. But then if if, you know, shit goes south, basically, they don't have a future really they gave up a lot of their first round picks so they're a team that likes to keep their first round picks and you know develop players so i don't think they're in the market for deshaun watson because i don't think they're that desperate to get him but they have the assets to do it so i just don't see them doing it though ultimately we saw them trade for deforce buckner last year and that that was a very aggressive mood or a regressive move, excuse me. Um, what I've noticed, what Chris Ballard has done, is that he's really developed his team from not just the first round, but really in days um, two and three of the drafts. That's where he's really hit his money um, the last few years. And sure, and sure, he he he's done a good job on hitting on some first round picks, but um, the last couple years he hasn't had a first round pick. Um, he had Quentin, I think in his first draft, he had Quentin, Quentin Nelson. Um, and then the next two years, he never had a first round pick. It would not surprise me if Ballard decided, okay, we're going to trade back, trade out of the first round. It wouldn't surprise me if they even, my gut feeling is that they're in the Watson race. Okay. Simple as that. I, I think, and yes, they have the assets, um, but with how well he does with developing talent or getting talent after day one, I would feel confident that they they would be willing to move on from a from a few first round picks and maybe one or two defensive starters, and because of how well they have hit in the in the second through the seventh round. I would feel comfortable if I was Indianapolis, if I was Chris Ballard, to make a trade for Deshaun Watson. That's just me, though. I don't think it will happen. And honestly, honestly, who knows where Watson's going to be next next season? We really don't know. Like, is yeah. Carolina going? Their Carolina's going to make a push, but I don't know if they're going to be able to really get the job done. Miami's got all the assets you want, really. They can trade Tua to Houston, trade another corner, another defensive starter. They could trade Xavier Howard or Howard or Byron Jones in that trade. If the Jets have assets as well, we just don't know what's going to happen with Sean Watson. Simple as that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, before before we move on, I just want to say one last point. Um, you know, I I think the Colts may be in a running, but at the same time, I don't think. Houston ends up trading him to a divisional rival, which I think will ultimately come down to. Um, 
because that will be incredibly stupid. I mean, have the guy in your same division and just torture you for the next 10 years, that, that will be awful for Houston. So that, that's, that was another layer that I thought of, you know, when considering them trading him to the Colts. So unless maybe they got in like a three team deal scenario, maybe then, but just straight up trading him to the Colts, I don't think will happen. Houston's no super things. Like going with a church guy like Jack Easterby. Piece of shit guy. Have you seen his burner accounts? That is ridiculous. That's funny, but also so stupid. Like you are. Wow. The owner really decided to side with Easterby over Sean Watson. That just goes to show you don't care about your franchise. You just care about the moolah. Care about the money. You don't care about the players. You care about the money. It sucks. Houston's turning into a trash organization. I feel bad for Texas fans. They deserve better. Hopefully in the future that in the days after Deshaun Watson, that they have their future quarterback, things work out, they go on to win the Super Bowl one day. One day. May not happen in the next few years, of course, but one day. All right. I want to talk about Javante Williams, Michael Carter, two running backs I evaluated from last night. I love this duo, man. This this was a fun group to watch last night. Um, I had bas- I basically decided to evaluate both players at once because I was basically watching UNC's tape like all night long. Um, I watched three games. Um, I think it was I'm trying to think. It was NC State, um, Boston College, and Miami. The Miami game, dude, that's – if you want to watch running backs just go to work, watch that game. Both Williams and Carter, I think, had over 200 yards rushing. Carter had over 300 yards rushing in that game. I mean, he was just making Miami look stupid, absolutely stupid. That was one of the worst rushing performances by a defense I've ever seen. But anyways – I dove into UNC running back duo, um, Michael Carter and Javante Williams last night. And came And, of course, I came away really impressed with their games. Um, I want to start out with Carter. I mentioned last night that Carter reminds me a little bit of Clyde Edwards-Elair when coming out of LSU. Edwards-Elair, of course, went on to be the 32nd pick of the NFL draft to the Kansas City Chiefs, and now he's one of their future players on offense Carter doesn't have the stupid quickness and receiving ability that Edwards Hilaire had uh, coming out, but he he's really quick and a smart running back himself. Carter's really disappointed when it comes to his assignments and concepts, and he comes off as an attention-to-detail guy, really disciplined um, with what he does on the field. Carter really has good vision, uh, lets his block, excuse me, lets his box develop with patience, does a nice job pressing the line of scrimmage to make space and uh, creating opportunities for himself and the offense. Um, his balance is really solid. Does a great job keeping his pads low through contact and plays with good control. Um, as I mentioned before, he's quick, shows good, good a bit of lateral agility. Um, I showed that one clip last night of him just duking out three defenders. I mean, that, that was a thing of beauty against Miami goes through the, 
he's pressing the line of scrimmage, and then he sees the two defenders coming at him, and then he sees like this tiny little crease, and he just takes a little small step and explodes through that gap. Oh, that was beautiful. And then he makes two other defenders miss. Like they look absolutely stupid. I was like, oh my goodness, this is awesome, awesome, awesome player. Carter Carter possesses some adequate bursts um, and acceleration but he won't burn you with his long speed. He doesn't have elite long speed, elite breakaway speed, but he has enough burst to get some chunk yards um, after contact. Um, I also like Carter on third down. He's okay in pass protection, but when he's faced up one-on-one versus a rusher, doesn't really go the right way. And I remember a play from watching the Boston College game where – he just got sat down on his ass. Um, it was not a pretty rep. He tried to create leverage, and the dude just bulldozed over him, and he start and he fell back. He started like tumbling back five, ten yards. I was like, "Holy cow! That that was a hor- horrible rep." But that was one heck of a rep for the blitzer. Um, I'll I'll tell you that right now. Um, one thing I wouldn't recommend is that he be used on short yardage situations um, because, you know, doesn't have that big of a frame. He's uh, doesn't have that. He's doesn't have a, doesn't have good size, but he's well compact. Yes. I don't think he would really fit in a real, in a power blocking scheme, you know, man power blocking scheme. I, I don't think that's the right offense for him. Um, but he can definitely be a third down back in zone blocking schemes. Um, he's a good receiver out of the backfield, really solid, reliable hands. He'll have the occasional drops. Um, but overall, Carter's game is really nice. I gave him an early third round grade uh, with his weaknesses at pass protection and short yardage um, situations, bringing his grade down. But overall, like I said, he's a fun running back, um, but he's a bit scheme specific. Now, Javante Williams. Woo. This is a dog. This is a player, bro. This one of the best running backs I've seen so far throughout my evaluations. Um, he possesses great vision um, as he himself does a great job pressing the line of scrimmage and making good decisions behind it like Michael Carter. Um, and just a shout out to UNC for doing a great job coaching their running backs. They have some talented dudes in that backfield. And I think they got another running back coming through this year that could, that has NFL potential as well from what I've heard. Um, so keep an eye on, um, I don't remember the name of the running back, but he's someone that I've been told to keep an eye on. Um, Williams is terrific in pass protection. He does a great job being a good, adequate receiver out of the backfield. Um, this is a back you can definitely use in short yardage situations due to his awesome power and balance. And speaking of his contact balance, that's that's one of his best traits. And he consistently sheds defenders off of him with great low center of gravity and good core strength. He never goes down without a fight. He, I showed a clip of Williams, one of Williams' runs against Miami, and he, he was like shedding defenders, spinning off the tackles. I mean – one of the best runs I, I saw all year. Um, and are, and honestly, that's probably one of the best games I've seen from any running back, Javante Williams and Michael Carter in my, that Miami game. 
it was just incredible to watch. So just wanted to get that out there. He's always quick on and with his feet, and his cuts are very good. For someone his size, he's got a great open field burst, and he shows good speed turning the corner to the sideline. He isn't a twitchy running back, but he's he's springy with his with his speed. I gave Williams an early, an early second round grade. Um, I think he can play in any offense, no matter the blocking scheme. Um, he's a very versatile back, and I think you can use him on all three downs, and he can definitely be your feature back almost immediately at the next level. So both Williams and Carter having day two grades for me. Um, Williams is just a fun, fun player. Really, really excited to see him at the next level. Yeah, I, I got I got a chance to watch both of those guys um, over, over the last few days and, and even the two North Carolina receivers. So we can talk about the, those two next week. Um, but, yeah, I, I had a similar uh, kind of evaluation for both for me. Um, I think Michael Carr is the more patient runner of the two. I think Javante Williams is more of the, you know, he's a more kind of explosive can can pop off big runs by not necessarily following his blockers like he can he's good at they're both good at reading uh holes and and uh, able to explode through them but i feel like uh michael carr is a more patient runner and uh, a lot of the big plays he had i I thought he i thought i heard you say that he he didn't really fit in a powers uh run scheme i think he I, i have an opposite opinion i think he does fit in the power run scheme ability uh, I seen, uh, I saw a lot. Of, uh, North Carolina ran a lot of power, um, you know, in, in just in general. When he looked really good in, in terms of uh, allowing his blockers to set up, following the pulling guard and whatnot, uh, more so than uh, Javante Williams. I feel like Williams is more of a, a outside inside zone scheme, uh, more of kind of that area, and that's kind of where he excels at. But other than that, I really didn't have too much disagreement in terms of the notes. Uh, both, I think, need some work in pass protection, but Williams is a lot more powerful and stout in pass protection compared to Carter. Uh, Carter is a, a lot more uh, inconsistent and, uh, you know, in terms of hand placement and, and just bringing, you know, kind of coiling his hips through the block as well. So he, he does struggle at times with pass pro, and that did show up at the senior bowl as well. Uh, but I feel like Javante Williams obviously has a higher ceiling, has the ideal size uh, and ability. And I think he's a he's a little bit of a better uh, receiving option out of the backfield as well. I know Williams did have some drops this year. Uh, so did Carter. But uh, I liked watching uh, Williams on, on those choice routes, those those out routes. And just as an outlet in the flat, I think he's a lot more explosive uh, in, in the past game. But uh, Carter did show some ability to run those angle and, and choice routes as well. So both, I think, will be a receiving option at the next level. But yeah, um, you know, for Carter, he's not, he doesn't it possess the straight line speed, uh, that you necessarily cover, covered in an early round running back, which is why I thought he was like a third or fourth round grade as well. Uh, and then Williams is just much more explosive. He's not necessarily straight line speed either, but I feel like he's, he has better acceleration and, uh, more explosive ability, but I like both of the running backs. They were, they were a fun watch on film and I think both of them will, uh, definitely end up going, um, you know, within probably both of them probably are going to end up as a top probably eight to 10 running backs taken off the board in, in this NFL draft. Absolutely. And, you know, both players, I, I just 
really fell in love with. Like those are two players I would rank, I would make as my guys. Like I'm going to pound the table for them. It when it comes to like who needs who really needs a running back, and those two running backs could be starters at the next level. Um, I just didn't with Carter. I just didn't see that great of power in his game. I didn't. He did show some solid leg churn, but I there were times where he did get stonewalled a good bit, um, and I, I, that to me showed that he didn't really have great power. Um, he he does do a good. He does have good balance. He does. He's super quick. Um, he does shed off blocks well, but I, I just don't see him really doing well in those short yard situations. I think you have some dudes up front that can block really well for him, then he you can play him in short yardage. But when you need him to get those one or one or two yards or maybe even inches by himself, I just don't think he's that type of guy in my opinion. But I, I'm um, you and I have overall very similar thoughts on each player. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to debate about Williams and Carter throughout the offseason. Um, and hopefully tonight I get to Najee Harris and Travis Etienne. So I'm expecting some fun evaluations on that end. And I'll try not to be biased towards Travis Etienne. Y'all know I'm a Clemson fan, so I'm going to probably like Travis Etienne a lot more than most. Um, but, you know, this this is a really solid running back group. I mean, it's not like – incredibly awesome. It's not like what it was a couple years ago when you had Saquon Barkley and Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle and Darius Geis in that class. It's not like last year when you had J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Clyde Edwards-Elaire, but it's a really solid class overall. I I, I just like the depth of it um, overall from what I've seen in pre- preliminary views. Um, but Carter and Williams, they're going to, they're going to make an impact at the next level. Okay, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Super Bowl season. Chiefs, Buccaneers. Buccaneers being the first team in NFL history to have a home Super Bowl. And people were like, oh, why aren't they going to be firing the cannons at, at, the, at the Super Bowl? It's because it's a Super Bowl, it's... It's basically a neutral site, even though it's technically a home game for the Buccaneers. But, you know, I I don't care. People don't know the difference between home and neutral site when it comes to games like this, like the Super Bowl, National Championship. I don't care if your team is – okay, like National Championship, if the game was being played at the Coliseum in, um, in L.A. And – USC was host was in the national championship. It still be considered a home. It still be considered a neutral site. But I just wanted to get that out of the way first. For this is one of the hardest games for me to predict, honestly, ever because I just love both players. I love both teams, and I really don't care who wins. I really don't. Is I think it's going to be a great game regardless. Whoever comes out on top is. I have a great team. Um, you have Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, versus Patrick Mahomes, who could 
one day end up topping Tom Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, you got two possible future Hall of Famers going up against each other um, Sunday night. I mean, that that's something I want to enjoy and watch. But I do have a prediction for this game, a score prediction. I have – I think it's going to be 35-32, the Kansas City Chiefs, your Super Bowl 55 champions. I'm – I know I'm going to eat my words because I'm downing Tom Brady again. But I I just think Kansas City's offense is just going to do their thing like they did against Tampa Bay earlier in the season. You know, like Kansas City's offense is just too explosive, too unique, too too hard to defend. Um, they're probably getting Sammy Watkins back this week, which is a big, big upgrade for them um, on offense. And Tampa Bay secondary is like, oh, great. We got Watkins, too, now. We got Kelsey we were dealing with and Hill and Hardman. Now we got to deal with Watkins. Are you kidding me? It's like they never get a break. So, you know, I think Tampa Bay, they're going to put up a fight. They're they're going to take the lead at some point during the game. Tom Brady's going to ball out. But I think the Kansas City Chiefs edge out the Buccaneers in a shootout. Um, I, I just think the Kansas City Chiefs offense is too much, and their defense will make enough plays to get a couple stops and lead the Chiefs to victory. That's where I'm at right now with this game. Yeah, I got the Chiefs winning too, man. Um, you know, I've picked against the Bucks every single week, uh, outside the division, the wild card round. Um, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just really feel there has been no answer to Kansas City for the last two seasons. And I don't think it's just going to miraculously happen on Sunday, you know, the 49ers honestly had the best chance to beat them in the Super Bowl last year. And they did a good job for three quarters. But in the fourth quarter, you know, it, it's just like oh, it's at some point. Blowing <laughs> lead season, baby. Let's go. At some point, man, the, the, the water gates flood, man. It don't matter how good a game you play defensively. They just have an answer for everything you do. And a lot of it has to do with Patrick Mahomes. Whether you have him in the pocket or not, he finds a way to create just two more, like half a second, one more second of time. And, you know, one of those guys are able to get open. And, you know, it's it's really going to be a big week for the secondary. You know, Carlton Davis has, you know, talked a lot of trash, obviously, to Michael Thomas and just in general. But you had to guard, you know, Tyreek Hill or or one of those explosive guys, Miko Hardman, uh, Sammy Watkins. And then the linebacker group, you know, some of the it's two of the best linebackers in the game. But, I mean, you got to account for Kelsey and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and they're both deadly. Yeah, so, Bell. yeah, Le'Veon Bell, too. And I, I guarantee he'll be part of the game plan as well. You know, kind of utilize his skill set because this is why they brought him in to for games like this where they have everyone accounted for and then you bring in Bell and he's able to – you know, kind of trump that as well. So it's like they have so many cards to pull against you. You know, it it, it just doesn't matter. Like you can try and keep score with them, <clears throat> but the <clears throat> Chiefs defense only need one stop. 
One stop is going to be a difference in this game, I think. And, you know, I think early uh, both teams will offense will struggle because, you know, obviously they've been studying for two weeks. So unless they come out with some sort of wrinkle, I, I don't really expect them to. But I think both offenses will struggle early, but the Chiefs, I think, run away with this one. I think they win uh, 37 uh, to 31. I think Tampa Bay's offense, I think it will be pretty tough to stop, too, because you got Ronald Jones, you got Leon Fournette, you got Brady, of course, um, got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Bray. I mean, that's an off, that's a ton to deal with if you're Kansas City's defense. This is, this is the best offense they, they're going to be playing against. Um, I think that, you know, like they have a, they have the game plan they played when the, when the two teams played each other in Tampa, um, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. Um, I think they'll bring that exact same game plan with a few few tweaks here and there in terms of Kansas City's defense and how they did things and whatnot. Um, but I think overall this is going to be a shootout. Um, I am not pulling for anyone in this game. I want to make that very clear. I do not care who wins. I have said and I have uh, mentioned that beforehand that you know I just want to watch a great game see who comes out on top because I I believe we are going to be witnessing history. We are going to be witnessing, we are going to be seeing the past slash the present in Tom Brady, the Hall of Famer, one of the greatest sports players of all time, has in a way kind of passing the torch in a sense to Patrick Mahomes. For him to be the one of the more well-known sports figures in the entire world. Like you're basically passing the torch from Brady to Mahomes. It, and I think it's going to be fun to see those two going up against each other in a shootout, hopefully Sunday. Um, if you're planning a Super Bowl party, Cancel it, please. I don't want you going out and giving, getting COVID. I really don't have to. Have, you, sure. If you want, you can bring a few people, but don't have 30 or 40 people at this party. Okay. Don't. Okay. We're seeing a decline in cases all across the country. COVID cases are going down. That's daily are going down. Thank goodness. Um, we're getting into vaccinations, but please, we don't want to see a spike in cases to, uh, over the next few days because of Super Bowl parties. Just stay if you can, stay home, order out, order out some food, order out pizza, go get some wings from the store, go out and get wings from your local uh, bar if you're when your local sports bars or wherever. Go get wings from Buffalo Wild Wings and just spread them out as a platter, whatnot. Just don't go out and stay safe. I love y'all. Hope you guys enjoy a great Super Bowl. I hope we enjoy a great Super Bowl. We'll see you guys on Tuesday. Peace.